Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, barbecuers of all ages, Cowboy Cav here welcoming you to the Man Meat Barbecue Show with your host, Mikey K. Man Meat Barbecue is brought to you by Myron Mix and Smokers. Are you a caterer, a competitor, a barbecue enthusiast? Myron Mixon has the smoker for you. Check out all their styles at MyronMixonSmokers.com. And don't forget to tell them Mikey K sent you. Do you enjoy this podcast, our blogs? Well, join our growing community of friends over on Patreon and help support your favorite barbecue podcast. Also, don't forget to check out our YouTube page for lots of videos on different styles of barbecue, different recipes, and the entrepreneurship of barbecue. And now... Here's your host, Mikey K. With Pitmaster Chris from ZZQ uh, Barbecue Restaurant. It's a Texas craft barbecue restaurant in Richmond, Virginia. Um, And a buddy of mine told me that they are the only barbecue restaurant in Richmond, Virginia to go to. Not that they're the only ones, but they are the only ones. So, guys, I want to say thank you so much for giving us a little bit of your time. I know you guys are busy at the restaurant. Um... And then, uh, Chris, you have your wife with you, and I'm horrible with names. I already forgot it. I am so sorry. Yeah, yeah, no problem, Mikey. Um, I've got Alex Graff with me, my wife, also known as the Pit Mistress. Yes, that's correct, which is – I love that name, by the way, Alex. That's an amazing name. Yeah. Well, you know, find me another one. I can't wait. It was – I gave it to myself. <laughs> no, you don't need another one. That's – that's. it's so beautiful. It's so amazing. <laughs> So what made you guys want to start a Texas barbecue restaurant in Richmond, Virginia? Uh, Well, I'm a native Texan, born and raised, moved to this part of the country in the mid-90s, and um, quickly discovered that there was like a drought of good brisket out here. I couldn't find anything. And about five or six years after I moved here, I was, I don't know, inspired to start learning how to do proper barbecue. And it started with a phone call to my dad because my dad had smoked a few briskets when I was a kid back home. And um, it's like, Dad, how do you do this? And um, it started with a real crappy um, smoker and it evolved over the years into a lifelong passion, and which included leaving my old career behind to do this. Um, somewhere along the way, I met this beautiful woman next to me, and then it really started to take off. You know, it's funny how when when you meet when you meet the right when you know when the right two people come together, it it just it becomes beautiful, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and then when you pair that with a beautiful smoker, whew. right, right. I mean, well, I, well, I'm very accustomed to um, <clears throat> inferior equipment. You know, I learned my craft the hard way through a series of different types of smokers and ruined lots of brisket, but, um, kept at it and stuck with it. And, um, you know, we're making some pretty good stuff, you know, almost 20 years later, you know, being at this and I'm so proud of what we're doing and what we've created. I mean, I think it's amazing. You guys, you guys have a beautiful restaurant, uh, just from, from the Instagram and everything like that. Guys, if you want to follow them on Instagram, it's ZZQRVA, which basically stands for Richmond, Virginia. Um, but make sure you check them out. They're cooking on some, uh, on, a, on some beautiful stick burners. Now, when you guys were creating the restaurant and, and looking at different pits and looking at what you wanted to cook on, 
did you kind of know you were going to go stick burner? What, what would, yeah, yeah. Do you have any other ones in, in mind? No, not really. I mean, um, for a brief second, I toyed with, you know, a rotisserie cooker like a JR Manufacturing, you know, an oiler pit or something yep. like that. But, um, you know, I've eaten a lot of barbecue off of those pits. They're great pits. They, you know, they're, they're um, great pieces of equipment. Um, create a good product, but they just they didn't have that kind of extra layer you know, that I was looking for. And I've always been a purist at everything that I've done. So I mean, I was you know pretty hard headedly <clears throat> going to stick to a stick burner for every aspect of this restaurant. I mean, I I designed my first offset pit. Once I kind of graduated from you know uh, crappy electric smokers to Propane-based smokers to um, you know Weber Bullet charcoal smoker smokers. Um, a buddy of mine uh, invited me to go compete with him for a little bit. So then I got to use a bigger stick burner. It wasn't an offset, but I learned a lot through that process. And then um, <clears throat> I started designing my. I'm an architect by trade. That was what brought me to Virginia to go to grad school to become an architect. And so I started designing my first offset pit, and it was kind of loosely based on jambo pits. They were really, really popular at the time. Yep. Again, a nice little piece of equipment. Um, Tuffy Stone is actually a neighbor of ours. He lives like six blocks away from us. Um, he has a couple of those pits, and I've seen those up close and personal and um, kind of loosely based mine on that. But that only got us so far, you know. We we were able to kind of get out of the gates and do um, some small catering events. Um, we were doing some underground pop-ups out of our backyard, and um, I love then, that, by the way. Love and it. purely, I mean, completely illegal. And uh, the end of that story is the health department found out, shut us down, threatened us with all sorts of legal action. But that was kind of the kick in the butt we needed to kind of take it to the next level, honestly. So we um, we hooked up with some really good friends of ours who opened a brewery, um, which happens to sit right next to our restaurant right now. And um, he said, why don't you come serve on a Friday night? You know, see how it goes. So we brought our little rig, which is the equivalent of a 250, 300-gallon offset pit, not very big. You can't get a whole lot of brisket on it. And I would take off from work and cook my ass off Thursday and all day Friday. And um, we would serve until we sold out, which didn't last long. Um, once word started spreading, we had long lines when we opened and we sold out quickly. Yeah, we would sell out in about easily one hour at that point. Woo! Yep. And so... Um, <laughs> Yeah, so we quickly realized that if we're going to take this to the next level and sustain it, we needed a bigger pit. So um, uh, Alex, her nickname's Orange, Orange and I got married and we went on a barbecue road trip at the first part of our honeymoon. And this is when John Lewis was really um, up and coming and getting a lot of recognition and notoriety at La Barbecue. And I'd been reading about him, and I wanted to meet him. So I sent his general manager, Allie, uh, an email before we got on the road to head to Texas and was able to meet John Lewis. And that was when John had just started to – he had just created Austin Smokeworks with his dad. And 
Um, long story short, at the end of our honeymoon, we're driving back through the hills of Tennessee. John Sr. calls us and said, hey, if you really want one of these pits, we'd love to build you one. And so our first thousand gallon pit was an Austin Smokeworks pit. And that's how we started our pop-ups the second year. And the ZZQ uh, phenomenon became what it is today, starting with that thousand gallon pit, you know, because we could feed a lot of people. We would have lines, you know, three hours long and just be able to feed people, you know, longer than an hour. So, yeah, it's a slow, <laughs> slow little system at that point, but everybody was happy and standing in the line and drinking beers from the brewery and making friends. I mean, there could be worse things in life. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah it's, um, you know, one of the things I'm really proud of, though, is that we never really reached um, beyond our grasp. You know, we we had lots of opportunities to do more and do it faster, but we... We always stuck to our guns on maintaining control of this brand we were building and this product we were creating. And, um, it, you know, it took a good, how many years were we doing pop-ups? Three. Yeah, three years plus two years before that of yeah. doing the underground stuff. And, um, you know, the universe is good to us. And um, we found some really cool people who believed in what we were doing and wanted to help bring it to this part of the world. And so then we got this piece of dirt literally right next door to the brewery where we built the business and built a really cool, you know, metal barbecue shed, barbecue joint. I now, Michael, go ahead. Oh, stop. No, go, go, go. No, Chris just talks and I can't say anything. <laughs> so I'll be quiet. No, no, please. I want to hear, I want to hear your beautiful voice. The, well, I gotta go, I gotta go back. Um, the decision making comes from a balance and a trust between the two of us that is, uh, has continued since the very beginning of Chris giving, you know, yeah, he's doing the barbecue, but giving me the license to take ownership and really have a true voice in how are we going to do this? And I attribute a lot of the success to that balance. It's not an equality. You know, sometimes one voice is much, much bigger than the other. But at, overall, it just works. What would you say was, like, the hardest part about getting people used to sell out barbecue? <laughs> We're still having that problem. <laughs> I figured because I, um, I, I feel like up in the north, people don't quite understand that. They don't, you know, man. Um, it was it's easier to um, that was a much more forgiving model as far as not upsetting your patrons when you're doing a, a you know one day a week pop up, a Saturday pop up at a brewery, you know, because I think most people get it. You know, they they show up and they, you know, they see this long line and there's only going to be so much food. And then they see there's one smoker there, you know, right. not four. Um, it was when we opened our doors is when that became an issue. You know, we had a bunch of, you know, one star Yelp reviews and crap like that because, you know, we were all of a sudden cultivating new people who wanted to try the new barbecue restaurant, you know, in the city. And they knew nothing about us or, why we were doing what we were doing and how we were doing it and, you know, how um, true we're trying to be to our values and our model, which was born in Central Texas. 
Sure. I had a I had a group of guests in on this past Saturday evening. It's eight o'clock. Boys are telling me we're almost out of meat. I got a line to the door. And so I'm trying to coax these people through. You might not get anything. And they're looking at me and never been in before. It was about six people together. And the one couple that had kind of led everybody over was about to come to fisticuffs in my restaurant because it just wasn't making sense to them that we could not have food to feed them. And I think I think it's because of the, you know, they go to Chili's and Chili's always has ribs. Right. They always have them. Yeah. No matter what time you get there. We've, you know, honestly, it's gotten so much better and we get um, far fewer disgruntled customers coming in. Most people get it and most people get here earlier. And when they get here later and they've heard how good that our food is and they don't get it, usually they come back and then they tell us, you know, I've been here three times. You were sold out. I was I'm here so- last night. <laughs> I was here last night. I, came I was the one that I had a lady on Sunday. She's like, I was the one. She was behind those other people. But so, yeah, man, um, Virginians are starting to come around. And, you know, it's something that Alex and I are so proud of. You know, we're doing this thing on our own terms, our own way. And we haven't, we've stood our ground on, you know, being true to what we're trying to create here. Yeah. I think it's awesome. I think, I think it's fantastic. It's something that we're doing. Uh, I, I, I recently kind of, I'm way behind your story. I'm, I'm way behind on that. Um, in the sense of where we're probably where you were, uh, probably five or six years ago, (laughs) you know, we're, we're not doing the underground pop-ups because, uh, we we just we we're not doing that currently. We weren't doing that ever. Uh, but we 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 started doing we're starting to do pop ups at different breweries in and around the Chicagoland area, and it's just um, it's getting the people to understand like, hey, we're sold out. We're really sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're sorry. you can and you can say that and be genuine. Yeah, and the hard thing is like they're. Like we were the one of the last pop ups we were doing, um, I had sold out of a certain meat, right? And I was going to like cross it off the board and I'm I'm you know, we have a line, I'm going to cross it out, I cross it out, and three guys in line are like, Oh, come on and I'm yeah. like, I'm so sorry, like I really I'm so sorry and they're like, You've only been here for an hour and a half. How much of that have you sold? I'm like, All of it. I sold all of it. <laughs> right. But it's that like really direct eye contact and communication and I'm doing the best I can thing that people relate to and they see it more as a um they see more of the effort coming from just a few people making this happen and mm-hmm. they start to understand it better. And I, I, I think, like, uh, at least in the Chicagoland area, there's very few restaurants that are sellout restaurants um, yeah. in the sense that they you call, go up to them and you're like, hi, I'd like brisket. And they're like, sorry, we don't have any. Right. You know? So people don't understand that. And I think that's probably – Richmond is probably very similar in that sense where when somebody oh, yeah. walks up and says, I want brisket, they, they assume that they're getting brisket. Exactly. And, um, you know, yeah, and Virginians, you know, they, they, 
Well, what's really amazing about what's happening right now in the city of Richmond is it's finally becoming much more diverse, much more cosmopolitan. We have so many, um, you know, millennials, young professionals, um, so many people looking at Richmond, moving to Richmond, changing Richmond, transforming Richmond. The 30-somethings in this town are completely transforming the city. And there's a lot of amazing things happening on the food and beverage scene. We happen to be in like the hottest neighborhood in the city. It's called Scott's Edition. And we're in the geographic center of it. We couldn't be more strategically located, you know, if we designed it and planned it that way. Um, you know, we're surrounded by, what, six or seven breweries, two cideries, two distilleries, um, only a few restaurants. There's more restaurants being built now. Um, there's one other barbecue spot that's, you know, half a mile away, and it's it's one of the established places. Um, so, you know, and we're bringing a part of that new energy to this neighborhood and to the city, and it's attracted all these new people. Um, but the cool thing, though, is Virginians love us, too. I mean, we were just um, voted best barbecue in Central Virginia in Virginia Living Magazine. Um, we've been getting, you know, amazing accolades and notoriety without, you know, really trying. We're just doing what we do at the restaurant, try to deliver great food and great hospitality, and, and, and that's it. You know, we don't we don't have a PR person or anything. It's, you know, the, the friggin' fruits of our labor are actually paying off. It's amazing. It is, I mean, you're doing, it the, you're doing it the hard way. You're using a stick burner, which is the best way to do it. <laughs> Exactly. So, yeah, so I'm like trying to get that message, messages like that out right now. You know, why, why our food, um, you know, why we sell out, um, how we cook, you know, why it's so expensive, which has a lot to do with how it's cooked. And, you know, in addition to the quality of the, of the meat and all that. But um, so what's one of the things we're working harder on this year is, is really educating people about what is unique and special about us. And our commitment to cooking and old school methods, you know, nothing is push button here at all. Which is always, I mean, it's always such a, a, a hard road to do that. Right. It's not like, oh, yeah, well, this is going to be easy. Like, we're, we're just going to put out a newsletter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, we're, you know, we're talking about adding little, uh, this one of our customers, a really cool guy, young guy who's starting a little video company, you know, we're talking about doing, you know, little videos on, um, you know, how to eat brisket. You know, a lot of people in this part of the world don't know that you're supposed to eat the part with the bark that attach, that's attached to the fat cap. So you see a lot of people cutting that off, which is a huge pet peeve of mine because we work so freaking hard on that flavor profile. Um, I mean, that, they're like basically cutting off the best part. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like, <laughs> that's like being like, let me, I'm, I'm just going to eat the part that's like, okay. But the best part, we're just gonna throw away. Like, what are you doing? Right. Well, it's always the do you eat the fat with your bacon? Yeah. yeah. So a lot of customers are like, hey, do you cut the fat out of your bacon when you eat it? Is that, you know, and they're like, no. And I said, well, this is no different. You know, it's it's a different form of curing. It's smoked, and you know, we work really hard on those layers of flavor. Try it. So you know, little educational videos like that, and also you know, you know, why our meat 
you know, our barbecue costs a little more than the guy, you know, down the street and how we cook and why we cook that way and, you know, on and on and on. So what kind of, what kind of meat are you guys using? Um, we are still using, we were lucky enough to get a, um, a pretty solid relationship with Creekstone five years ago. And we've been using them. We've started exploring other suppliers right now because as you know creekstone is very popular um and during peak kind of barbecue season may june um you know aaron franklin in austin texas literally gobbles up most of the prime it all goes to him first that that's um a long-standing relationship that'll never change additionally you've got really popular joints across the country that have had also long-standing relationships with Creekstone. So, you know, right now our meat, we're, usually it's all prime. It's kind of a blend right now of prime and upper two-thirds choice. Okay. Uh, and our pork is coming out of North Carolina. We have a, it's it's Duroc. Um, so again, heritage breed. You're using beautiful pork. You're using beautiful, you know, you're using beautiful beef. So people need to understand. I mean, there there will be a premium. You know, if you go to a if you go to a steakhouse, you go to a nice steakhouse, you're expecting you know a seventy eighty dollars steak, and yeah. you're expecting it to be good meat. Yeah, exactly. And I so, think what most people don't understand. Sorry to cut you off there. What most people don't understand is like, the barbecue is such a labor of love, and it, it should be five times as expensive as it is. Yeah, exactly. I think, I can't remember what interview it was in. Um, Elliot Moss at Buxton Hall said that. He said it ought to be the most expensive form of barbecue. I think uh, I think that was an Ugly Delicious, if I'm not That's wrong. Just, yeah, you're oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. On Netflix? Yeah. yeah. I think he said it. He was like, it's such a labor of love. So many hands touch this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That it should be, uh, it should be like five times as expensive. And then you get people that are like, no, barbecue's dirt cheap because it's it, it's thought to as as the you know poor person's food because that's what it was you know it was it was shitty cuts of meat that right. were cooked low and slow to make them tolerable. Exactly, absolutely. But I don't know anybody who wants to sit next to a pit for you know fifteen sixteen hours and then make twelve dollars. <laughs> yeah, exactly. right. And so you know what? Well, um, right, and you know it starts with the quality of the meat, and then you know the quality of the equipment, and then the quality of the pitmaster, and how well that pitmaster can you know train his crew. Um, so you have many hands, and you get the same result with those many hands. I mean, it's so. I mean, so many layers of work. <laughs> And trying to train somebody—that's a whole nother, um, a whole nother issue—is uh, I know the way that I cook, and it, a lot of it has to rely on how long I've been cooking, in the sense of I, I've I've gotten that feel in my hands that I know what I want, exactly, and I've trained my hands to be almost like I don't want to say like my my flavor testers, but like in a way that they're they're the they're they're my test like if i feel it and i feel it the way that i want it to feel then i know it's right 
Right. It doesn't matter right. what thermometer you have. It's never going to tell you that. That's exactly right. That's exactly how I cook, by touch. Yeah. I think all the great pitmasters cook that way. Um, I think any uh, everyone I've always talked to that, that's an amazing pitmaster is always saying, well, at the end of the day, I have to be able to feel it. And if it feels right, I know it's right. Yeah, exactly. You, yeah, you just know, man. The moment you lay your hands on it, you can tell. Yep. And there's no better feeling in the world than that. That's completely true. Now, when you guys do, you guys have other pitmasters that co- that cook in your in in the restaurant. Um, we I have a crew of six people. Okay. Yeah. Um, two or three of them are more advanced than the others, so they're scheduled accordingly. Um, I'm, I'm very, very hands-on, uh, every day towards the latter half of the cook. I don't spend as much time on the early part of the cook as I used to. Um, my morning crew does a great job, but you know, I can come in in the morning and I can tell, you know, if something went wrong or something's (laughs) not right. Isn't that, isn't that funny how, like, I've had those cooks where you like, maybe, you know, I wasn't on my, on my game. Something was a little off. And uh, like halfway through the cook, I'm like something. Yeah, right. this isn't coming out the way I want it to. Exactly, exactly. So I've got um, uh, a couple guys that um, I really trust with the meat and finishing the cook. And um, you know, Alex and I, as husband and wife and business owners, have realized you know how important that is to not only sustain our marriage but to sustain our business and grow our business. Yep. To have people like that. But, you know, it's taken them. We've, they've been working side by side with me, one of them for two and a half years, the other one for about a year and a half. And, it, and it's really it's really showing them that, like, feel this brisket. Do you feel it? Yeah, I feel it. That's not ready yet. Feel this one that, that is ready. And, it, and it's going through feeling, you know, hundreds of briskets over and over and over being like, you see how that's not ready? You feel how that, like... I, yep. I always say, you know, event. You know, I use my thermopen a ton, but it eventually it becomes it becomes a giant toothpick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and I've watched Chris in there with, you know, he'll the, there'll be three of them in there, and they're handing briskets back and forth, and he's handing them to them, and he he's like, "You tell me." Yeah. Yeah, I yeah I do that a lot and we're trying to train someone else you know to finish right now as we speak and um you know so and it's a she i have um two women that work in my smokehouse mm-hmm. and they're badasses awesome um so i'm trying to train one of them to do that right now and i, I that's that's how i teach though I, you know i have them take it out feel it if it feels close they'll talk to me about it they'll hand it to each other they'll talk to each other about it and you know that's that's how I teach them. I mean, that's, I think that's the only way to really, really teach somebody teaching them barbecue is like, man, you got to feel it. And if you're, if you know, if he or she is pulling it off the pit and saying, you know what, I think it's right. And then handing it to you and you go yep, it's right. Then yeah. they're starting to get it. And if they're like, nope, it's not right. And even if you feel it and you're like, you know, either they're going to be like, no, it is, it's done or no, it's not. It needs a, you know, it needs another two degrees or it needs another degree and a half or something to go up 
uh, so let's leave it on for a little bit longer and let's let, let's check back at it with 15, 20 minutes and see see where we're at. Right. Yeah. The other thing they do, which I really love, is they check on the product when it's being served. Okay. And yeah. They can look at you know brisket number QZ and be like, okay, that's what I remember what that felt like. I see what it looks like. Yeah, that, that's real important. Um, you know, when when Orange and I were running the pop up kind of by ourselves, you know, I did it all, so I saw the full circle of the process for the full cycle. And um, I've always had them, you know, you need to eat what you cook. You need to see how it finishes. You need to see it on the tray. Yep. And they're all really, all very passionate about it and all care deeply about what they're doing. I, you know, I couldn't ask for a better crew. Yeah. And I, I think what you said, you said something really important there being like, you need to eat, eat what you make um, and, and eat what you're serving just, just to know how that how that customer's getting it the the mouth feel of of the um of the product is so important yeah yeah and i i don't think enough people do that oh yeah i don't i don't don't think enough people do it i really don't yeah Yeah. i agree Um, but i think that just teaching in a mentoring kind of way you know in that supportive loving familial kind of way we, yeah, but that's the best way. It's, it is. It is. Like it's just so amazing that you guys are doing this, and you're bringing. I mean, you're bringing Texas barbecue to a state that's not close to Texas, and uh, there's not much. I'm, I'm guessing there's not much Texas barbecue in Virginia. <clears throat> no, there's not. I mean, there. You know, we're starting to see more and more uh, pop-ups. You know, I mean, I don't have to tell you how popular. Texas barbecue is right yeah. now. <laughs> so, you know, there are little pop-up, you know, businesses everywhere. Yeah. There, there's a new there's a new little restaurant that opened up an hour away from us in Charlottesville. There's um, two pop-ups in Virginia Beach, which is an hour and a half to two hours away. Mm-hmm. We know a bunch of, or a few people up in Northern Virginia that also are doing it. You know, it's just, it's just exploding. Um, I, I, I'm thankful that we got our restaurant built, you know, and got in when we did because it's about to become just completely oversaturated, I think. Now, if you could give those people a tip, what would your tip be? The tip on the business or? Business or on the barbecue end. Well, I mean, on the barbecue end, I see a lot of them – Okay, don't rush the process of finding the right spot. I've, mm-hmm. I've seen one or two guys um, rush to find a spot and then they and then come to find out, you know, the zoning in that district, in that precinct of the city, won't allow a stick burner. So then they've got to immediately compromise their process to get their dream of owning a restaurant out of the blocks uh, one guy just recently bought um something akin to an old hickory you know and he was using um i think it was a, a laying reverse flow stick burner okay and they're going to make completely different products yeah um to say so, the least so and i can recall telling this person you know you just need to wait you need to trust the universe and just stay true to what you're doing keep looking you're going to find the right spot 
Don't rush it. That's so hard. <laughs> and, and then, yeah, I mean, I could tell you a number of stories about all the properties we looked at and how frustrated and depressed we got. But, you know, we, we waited and it happened and it's the most amazing. Beautiful. We, we Perfect. Ne- what we're doing now um, never even entered our imaginations when we first started the process. Yeah. I was imagining a tiny little, you know, 1200 square foot joint with a few picnic tables outside and we have a um, 3200 square foot restaurant an 800 square foot smokehouse and a really large backyard with lots of tables and lots of firewood storage and 1400 servings of mac and cheese it's yeah. a lot of mac and cheese yeah so yeah i mean <laughs> Stick to your guns. Be patient. Don't rush it. Be true. And then on the business end, you know, always, you know, going back to what Orrin said about the familial aspect of not only teaching, but, well, I guess, yeah, teaching. Teaching you know, people in the smokehouse, people on the floor, front of house. Our most terrifying moment when we were getting ready to open our doors was orientation. Staff orientation was... A mind-boggling moment of here are these faces, here are these souls that I'm now responsible for, but I need them to be an extension of me. I need them to be an extension of Chris. How how are we going to make these people believe in this? And I mean, no one. The hardest thing is, I mean, no one's really gonna, unfortunately, give the passion that you give, right? It's incredible well, how much how much they will give and how much they have given. Maybe Once you not find a- the right people, right? Well, I'm I'm proud to say that um, we've had very little turnover in 14 months, and most that's of, awesome. Most of our original crew is still here. Um, um, and, it's and, had to grow, but it, the the part where you stand in front of these human beings and you give them this honest, this is what I'm trying to do, and this is why, and I need you. I need you. Yep. Yeah, I mean, you know, because, you know, coming off the weekly pop-ups, we had, you know, five or six people that we relied on for two and a half, three years. And some we, of which were our children. Yeah. And we were all, pretty tight. We, you know, we were like a family and literally some of us were. And then, you know, walking into this new restaurant, trying to grow that circle to, you know, 30, 40 people was terrifying. And oh, I bet. So that's what we stood up and said at orientation. You know, this is terrifying, guys. This is what we've built. This is how we've built it. This is why we're doing it. And this is what we're looking for. And, you know, we've been genuine, sincere, um, transparent, completely open about everything since we opened the doors here. And so, you know, all those things I just said, transparency with everything, mm-hmm. of the every aspect of the business, you know, the numbers, expectations, all of it. Um, it's so important because it includes everybody. And then they can understand the relationship between the financial success of the restaurant and how that translates to their wallet and their paychecks. And, um, you know, they get it. 
Well, it makes them feel part of it, and I think that's a big part of it. You know, I think that's a huge part of it is when you can feel a part of something, uh, a part of a team or a part of a greater good, right? It it makes you want to work harder. Absolutely. Because I don't know how many people have always, you know, have told me in the past I've, I've been a manager for different things. It's like, man, I just don't feel like I'm a part of it. Right. It's like, well, well, why don't you? You know what I mean? Like that's the <laughs> like that's the first issue. Let's fix that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, even like we go into these monthly staff meetings and it's everybody, and I'm like, I look at it and I'm like, this is expensive to have this meeting. Can we cut it down to an hour? Um, but then giving everybody a voice in that as well is huge. Yep. That's a big, I mean, that, that makes them feel like they can actually come to you, right? Yes. Exactly. And yeah. say, hey, I have this issue or I have this issue. And it, it's, it's not going to be just you brushing it off and being like, well, whatever. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I think that's super cool. I think what you guys are, you guys are starting something, a phenomenon in the in the in the north in the north. You know what I mean? And I think that's really really cool. Um, I think what you guys are doing with the restaurant and kind of teaching teaching people, you're you're the hard. You guys are doing the hard work, right? <laughs> so, um, when you guys were putting the menu together, now I noticed that you guys do have turkey on the menu. What made you guys? What made you put turkey turkey breast on the menu as an option? Um, it shows up a lot in Texas, especially the um, the newer, you know, the what? I was just going to say because my first Texas, new school Texas barbecue joint that I okay. went to was Ronnie Killens. Okay. And we had turkey breast there. Yeah. And uh, it was so it's been in the back of my head for a long, long time. Okay. Well, people want an option that's not pork and not beef. And I mean, we're also doing one, if not two, vegetarian sandwiches every day. Okay. Part of that is driven by Richmond has a pretty huge vegetarian population. There's an art school here. Um, and also, I was a vegetarian for 13 years. We all make mistakes. It's okay. <laughs> Thank you for forgiving me. <laughs> we all make mistakes, let me tell you. We all do that. Sure, I learned a lot. But it's it, to have that inclusiveness where it's not just beef and pork. Yep. You can serve these larger groups and not you know, you don't have one person in a group who's driving the whole group away from us because we don't have something for them. I mean, we were, I was just with a bunch of restaurant tours in Wooster, Ohio. And that's one of the things that, you know, that, that they were starting to bring up. They're like, man, we offer hot dogs on our menu. We offer, you know, we're offering this on our menu. We're offering a larger, more friendlier kid menu. Right. And I'm like, Oh, I'm like, I never really kind of thought about it. He's like, yeah, dude, think about it. He's like, if those kids won't eat at your restaurant, those parents aren't going to either. Right. I'm always like, well, I believe that children should eat regular food. Yeah, but you know, over mm, very well with the parents. I was going to say, yeah, (laughs) with the parents, when it doesn't go over well with the parents, it's kind of a, it's kind of a hard one. And I I mean, where we're at in our stage right now is we're, we're, we're in breweries, you know what I mean? So I don't really have to worry about feeding the whole family yet. Right. 
Yep, yep. <clears throat> we had to learn that once we opened our doors in our restaurant. Um, and our and our menu when we opened was pretty much the Texas Trinity. You know, we didn't branch out from that because we were just trying to deliver. You know, you know these four or five things really well for the first few months until we got on our feet, and then we would gradually add things like the turkey. You know? Yeah, I don't think we added the turkey till what November. Well, we did it like once a week, and then yeah. and then we'd start adding a day a week, another day a week, and then so now, now it's a staple on the menu now, and people love it. So now let me ask you this question: When you guys were adding it once a week, say you you added it on a Saturday, right? Just to use that day, because I know a lot of restaurants do specials on Saturdays. Um, you're adding it on a Saturday. Did you find yourself like the first time you guys added it, it was like it did okay? And then you kind of ran into another one, and then it started to sell out slowly. Or was it kind of a hit right off the bat? No, it got it was kind of slow getting out of the blocks. I guess you know it. Um, it took a while for it to catch on, and then you know then I was running into the problem. I was making a little too much, and when we'd have leftover turkey, which we work really hard every week not to have anything left over, but it. I think when it really started to take off was um, Thanksgiving. So mm-hmm. Thanksgiving, we offered, you know, whole turkey breast smoked for pickup the day before, and we gave them, you know, directions on how to reheat it and stuff. And yep. We sold a lot of it. We had like two smokers chock full of turkey breasts, and the feedback from that was phenomenal. Yeah, people still come in talking about their thanksgiving turkey breast we did we did whole turkeys this year and um people did that yeah people have already been like okay cool can we get on the list for next year so that we don't we don't miss it yeah that's awesome yeah i was more crazy about the turkey breast than the whole turkey but so the same kind of thing happened with um beef ribs you know beef ribs are really popular of course in texas and you know we have the full plate ribs and you know they're huge um creekstone provides a really good beef rib um never been never had any issues with their beef ribs when we first started doing that you would get you know kind of barbecue geeks who knew what it was and, and they'd show up and get in line and we'd sell out pretty quickly and then you know that excitement kind of died down a little bit and then we weren't selling as much, so I backed off the numbers, and and it took a little more time. And over time, you know, other customers have been trying it, and they've been spreading the word about it. So now it's an extremely popular item on Saturdays, and people come in on Fridays, on Sundays, and they want it, and they're upset that we don't have it. So I don't know. It's we've learned a hell of a lot in the first 14 months. Yeah. Yep. They like to talk about it. That's the thing I've learned. Very enthusiastic. And our guests are our best ambassadors. I mean, they are. They They love to go out and bring somebody else in and show them what they've learned. And it's so fun because I'll be standing out there, you know, the line's out the door and I'll be the one. I play bouncer. And uh, (laughs) They're like, oh, look who we brought. We're brought. They're coming for the first time, and because they get that chance to chat with me, with nothing else to do, and just so proud of our place. Which is so amazing. 
It is. It just it's, it blows my mind. And it's a little bit like when we started out, we used to do these um, New Year's Day parties at our house in the backyard. And, you know, everybody would show up and throw some money in the jar and we'd be out of food. Everybody would be drunk and having fun. And I was like, how do we recreate that? Yeah, how do you catch lightning in a bottle? Yeah, because those parties grew into several hundred people, you know, over time. And Too big, we couldn't do them we anymore. Couldn't, it got so big, we couldn't do it anymore. And um, But that was always a real magical um, day of the year. And we really wanted to capture that level of... Joy. Just joy and comfort and love, you know, in our restaurant. So we worked hard um, to create something that is just straight up simple, comfortable, a really cool place to hang out. We have these three giant garage doors in the backyard that we have had open for about three weeks now because the weather's been so nice. Well, it must be nice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just ex- you know, Sorry. Ex- extends the dining room into the backyard and it's just one big cool space to hang out in and when you're in the backyard you can you know watch all the crew in the house doing their thing so now what would you say was the hardest part about opening a brick and mortar um <laughs> well we didn't have the capital to build this on our own um luckily we had um a really um incredible champion, a guy named John Singh. We catered his wedding in uh, Washington, D.C. several years ago. And he was blown away and said, if you ever want to do anything, I want to be a part of it. So his background is in banking and finance and uh, Wall Street. And um, so as we kept growing the brand and the business, you know, we stayed in close touch with him and he helped us you know develop a business plan he pushed us really hard on that it was not fun do all the metrics all of it and and that's that that back and forth was really really hard um i think that was the place where i felt the most out of control in any of it i mean construction didn't feel out of control in the same way that building the restaurant in a computer model into that just was beyond me. Right. So the most vulnerable, terrifying part of the whole process for me personally was, you know, after all those numbers were, you know, vetted and revetted and scrubbed and um, finally tightened up and put into this beautiful little package, um, we opened it up for other investment and uh, we were dead set on doing it privately. We didn't want to go to a bank. And so once we made it official, (laughs) that's the moment, you know? So, you know, you ask yourself, is is anyone going to be interested in this? Is anyone, is this going to get done? Because it's a large, you know, sum of cash to get something like this built. Yep. And lo and behold, man, I mean, you know, immediately we had um, two or three, what I'll call kind of big anchor investors jump on board. And, you know, they were um, customers of ours. Mm -hmm. One of those customers 
Um, we go to their ranch out, you know, west of here and cook for them every year at Christmas. And then we cook for them at private events and stuff. And they jumped on board immediately. And then a couple others did. And, you know, within a month, we had most of the capital tied up. And I think it was a 45-day or... It was 45 days. I had to make two phone calls to people just to ask them if they were interested. And it was probably the most terrifying thing. One of them I didn't know at all. The other one said, let me call you back. Oh, that's like the worst feeling, isn't it? No, he called me back, but he called me back within half an hour and was just like, how much can we do? Oh, shit. Okay. Well, then that works great. It was, but it was, inc- it was incredible because it was not an ask I had ever considered having to do. And I'm sure it was terrifying. I'm sure, like <laughs> you said. So Just, then, it, you know, and then once you have all their capital, it's the most exhilarating feeling ever, you know, um, next to when you get to open your doors. Right. You actually get to break ground and do something, you know? Right. See, I'd be terrified as soon as I got all my capital, too, then. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because then you're like, oh, shit, it's real. Here yep. we go. Yep. And it was, uh, we did our pop-up. Um, so we were doing our last pop-up before the restaurant was opening, and the steel was starting to be erected on the site, and we could see it from where we were doing our pop-up. Oh, that had to be awesome. It, it, was, it was wild. It was this uh, magical, man. It was just like this poetic moment where, you know, we're shutting down our last pop-up and they're literally erecting the first pieces of steel in the restaurant. It was really cool. And now, I mean, was it kind of almost kind of like bittersweet where you're like, man, we're never going to do a pop-up ever again, but we have this like new, this new venture, this new chapter that we're moving on. No, I'm so happy not ever having to move all that mac and cheese myself. Come on, it's so much fun. Oh, I'm so happy not to have to do all that heavy lifting. See, remember, I'm still where you're – you you remember that heavy lifting? That's where I'm at. That's that's exactly where I'm at. I could not lift the hot box into the vehicle myself, so I would roll everything out from the kitchen and load it in. Yep. Almost spilling everything every single time. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was fun. I, I will say that um, we, did, we did this uh, charity event at uh, the – it was not the Museum of Science and Industry. It was just the, right, the Field Museum in Chicago. Beautiful museum. Great. It was a beautiful backdrop for the event. We, we, had, a, we had an amazing time. We ended up filling a full Cambro full of mac and cheese. Yeah. And um, because that's what we were doing. We were doing late night bites. That's all we were part of. You know what I mean? We weren't serving full dinner. We were just doing late night bites. We were just giving people mac and cheese. And we did six full trays of mac and cheese. I'm so proud of you. Oh, my God. I never wanted to see cheese again. And then two days (laughs) later, I did the same thing. (laughs) Yep. Yep. It's like you never want to see cheese ever again. And then you're like, okay, cool. Next pop-up, got to make mac and cheese. Let's go. I love those stories. It's like the time we were doing two back-to-back events and I needed 32 pounds of pasta. And at that point, I was still getting our noodles from the grocery store. That's always fun. So not only did I have to make all that, I had to go to three different grocery stores to find enough of that pasta. 
I mean, when that that's what you got to do, though, right? Right. Oh, yeah, and you do it. And now looking back, I'm like, oh, somebody brings me the pasta and the cheese, and somebody else moves it. And it's fantastic. No, it's great. It's we, glorious. And I still take full credit. <laughs> and I still take full credit for doing all of it. As you should, though. No, you're, you're perfectly fine. It's great. Thank you. You should, you're, you're, you're still, you're, it's still your recipes. You're still, you still did all that hard work. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. It's beautiful. Now, we kind of, we're kind of wrap, we'll kind of wrap things up here. Um, one of the ways I like to wrap up is I like to ask this fun question. If you could go back into your barbecue career, your barbecue journey, and give yourself three tips to shorten your learning curve, what would those three tips be? Um, mine would be don't be heavy-handed because I tend to be heavy-handed. <laughs> that, could, that could apply right now, too. Yeah, right. Um, also be patient. That's also a hard – two things very difficult for most people. Correct. And no matter what – the opportunity or situation is always be true to yourself and your values. Always. Yeah. Any anything from you? Oh, from me, I would say if you get the opportunity to go to the beach, do it. <laughs> trust yourself and realize that you trust yourself. I think that that's difficult. Sure. Trusting yourself is very difficult because you always a lot of people second guess their first instinct. And don't give up hope. Yeah, you know, you you just to kind of tie these two things together, you know, you always hear the the stories of the, you know, successful small business that grew into this big amazing thing. Whatever the story is, it's always the same. You know, it's always, you know, just never stop believing, never stop working your ass off, never just stay focused, laser focused um, on that journey. And it will happen. And, you know, I am in awe of what we have done mm -hmm. every day. And it's a lot easier than it was a year ago, but, um, it's still hard work. It requires a lot of attention, dedication, but um, I'm so thankful. This all sounds like a Hallmark card, but I'm so thankful. It's fantastic. Every morning, you know, when I'm when I'm driving to the smokehouse to touch base with the guys or whatever, um, and then the doors open and the customers coming through and they're lining up out the door and they're smiling and they're happy and. There's no better feeling in the world, man. Just staying true to yourself and stick to your guns and keep at it. You know, I always say it. I always say that um, when you get up at 1 a.m. to do brisket and uh, you do service that night and somebody comes up to you and says, wow, that's the best brisket I've ever had. You're like, wow, 1 a.m. is not that bad. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> and it's that, it's that joy and it's that reciprocal relationship that is – so powerful i mean it's it's the base i mean you're feeding people but you're feeding people something so delicious well they taste the love man they get it you know? they do so they, they get the difference between 
this and you know commodity barbecue or uh, you know a chain restaurant they get that they, they totally they may not always know how to articulate what they're feeling and experiencing but they get it yeah i agree with you i definitely agree with you chris guys i want to say thank you so much for coming on the show yeah, man. If, if you guys can do me one last favor can you please tell everyone where they can follow your barbecue journey on the internet absolutely um ZZQ Texas Craft Barbecue can be followed on Instagram at ZZQRVA. Our website is ZZQRVA.com. And our Twitter feed is also ZZQRVA. If you want to follow the pit mistress, it's ZZQ Pit Mistress. Because <laughs> I'm very exciting. I'm, I, I think you are. I think you were awesome. Thank you so much. Um, I am super blessed to have both of you guys on the show. It, it was amazing. Uh, once again, I want to say thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Marky. I really Mike. appreciate you reaching out, man. Thank you, and keep at it. You're doing a great job. And and uh, never hesitate to reach out if you need advice or help. Seriously. And never stop improving. That's very <laughs> true. Thank you, guys. All right, take care. <laughs>